Okay, before this episode begins, we just need to let you all know. We have some explaining to do. Yeah. So we recorded this entire episode and felt amazing about it. And then listened back to it and the audio is not great. (sighs) Yeah, it just... It's kind of like Michael Scott where the content is top notch but the delivery his delivery is not always on there but just (laughs) listen through it please because it's so good like we felt so good about it and it it really isn't too bad but we're just throwing it out there it's just just enough that you might go "Mm, why would i listen to this you should listen to this it is probably some of our best content honestly so enjoy we love you bye Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Popping Perfectionism. This is our second series. Mm -hmm. Our first series, we kind of laid down the law of perfectionism. We gave you the basics and the facts. And from here on out, each of our series are going to cover a different topic. And this series, we're just starting off with a bang. And we're going to talk about LDS culture and perfectionism. Yes, ma'am. This topic is what started this whole idea of the podcast, honestly. We are both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and when we were learning about the groundwork of perfectionism, basically everyone, everything in the first series, we just thought to ourselves, like, this in the LDS Church, oh, there's that, Mm -hmm. oh, we see that, we see that, we Mm -hmm. see that, and it's such a problem. And I think we know that Utah has this Mormon culture that's really toxic or whatever or really unique um and so yeah so we're going to talk about how we see perfectionism in this culture how that's a problem and how we can change that yeah because it's really i think everyone knows it's there but no one's really talking about it yeah you know yeah we can all kind of feel it we all see aspects of it but no one really talks about it so it just like it just grows in the dark Mm -hmm. totally and it's so embedded in this culture that you might feel we're calling out the culture but Mm -hmm. or calling out the church but we're not we're just calling out the culture and the issues within the culture yeah and we know in the church president nelson has asked us to call it the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints but for sake of time (laughs) and because i really do believe the culture is its own thing we're going to refer to it as lds or mormon culture so please don't shoot us yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so the church really lends itself to perfectionism in a lot of ways. It's kind of a perfect storm for perfectionism. And again, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the church, but Mm -hmm. if we aren't careful, it can often turn into that because there's a lot of, which it has, yeah, Yeah. it, it has, it really has. There's a lot of parts of the church that are guided and outlined. So the lifestyle of the church is a checkbox, a a checkbox one mm-hmm. right you get baptized when you're eight years old then you get the priesthood then you go on a mission then you get married in the temple it's very much a conveyor belt type of church yeah and even before that it's like go to activity days go do this and this mm-hmm. pass the sacrament take the sacrament earn your necklace thing which i never yeah. did and you know just little things like that but then after a mission or even if you don't go on a mission people there's that shame with i didn't fill in that checkbox like am i a bad member then there's judgment around that people attach these checkboxes to how they view other people Mm -hmm. the church really does lend itself to a perfectionist dynamic because so much of it is made up of outward facing quote-unquote accomplishments right and i think there's pros to that yeah when we're growing up you're always working towards something yes and there's purpose like 
I'm doing this next. I'm going to do this next. You're and preparing. Yeah, you're preparing for something. yourself. Yeah. Right. And I think it gives you that sense of setting goals, accomplishing something. The issue lies in when we tie our worth to those checkboxes, whether we've fulfilled them or not. Or even worse, if we tie how we think God views us or mm-hmm. how God views others, mm-hmm. dependent on if we've completed that checkbox or that benchmark you know yeah and a lot of the culture in the church is event-based I have so many friends of mine who they've gotten married and it kind of felt like everyone was like great you got married congratulations the rest of your life bye (laughs) you know or when I went through the temple I was it I just felt like it was an event and then the event buttoned up and it was done and I was like uh I'm not done processing this Mm -hmm. you know but they're like oh you went you made it through the temple Good job. Totally. Go live the rest of your life. Totally, totally. And I think that's why a lot of young couples are also pressured to have babies because that's yes. the next thing. The next step. That's it's the next step. the next step, which again, isn't a bad thing. Right. But when that's all that we focus on and that's what we tie worth and character and worthiness to, then it becomes toxic. And at the end of the day, it's all a process. Christ and Heavenly Father don't, they, they haven't told us, okay, today become perfect. It's about becoming mm-hmm. perfect. And we're going to really break that down in all of these episodes, but it's, it's not event based. The Christ's gospel and Christ's church is not based on events. It's based on processes, processes, processes. Yeah. I'm an academic processes. <laughs> we are smart. We are so intelligent, <laughs> but really though, it, it, it's not based on these events and we put so much weight and focus on these events and it's really toxic. Right. So how did we get here? How did we get to this position? And how, why is it hurt so many people? Mm-hmm. And Anna and I formally offer an apology to anyone that's been harmed by this culture. I've been harmed by this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but to any of you that have been seriously hurt and it's made you question, you know, your faith or question who you are. Or and we value. are so sorry or your value or if you're a good person or any of these things, we are so, so sorry. That is not right. That's not what Jesus would do. Yeah. And I know we can't speak for the church, but we are apologizing on behalf of the church. anyway. <laughs> right. You're welcome, church. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so often in the church, there's so many general conference quotes and and things that people in the church say where you know they say you can never fall farther than the love of Christ's light shines Mm -hmm. or the oh shoot there's nothing of Christ's love shines right or there's nothing you haven't done that can't be undone Undone. or can't be made right nothing is irreparable you know this this is one of the philosophies of our entire church the philosophy this is the core of the atonement of Jesus Christ so how did we get from that being one of the core portions of our doctrine to us imperfect flawed human beings judging other imperfect flawed human beings there is a clear disconnect between what the leaders are saying and what people in the church are doing and saying Mm -hmm. and again no one is really talking about it we're just kind of letting it happen and letting this this culture morph and evolve and mutate into what it is right now absolutely and i think it's kind of developed this idea of a perfect member Mm -hmm. what does the perfect member look like they go to church every Sunday. All of their kids are dressed up really nice and they sit so reverently. And they're faithful in their calling. They make comments. They read their scriptures every day. They, and I think, you know, I'm just helping list off these things to illustrate in your mind, but I don't think I need to explain it that much for you all to know (laughs) because you already know in your mind, what does this good or perfect member look like? 
And we use that as a definition or a, a benchmark, whatever you want to call it, to measure people's worth or character or our own worth and character. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea of the perfect person, which again does not even exist. So why we do that, I don't even know. But I think that's where the judgment starts to creep in, whether that's for yourself or other people. And I think that when the judgment starts to creep in, we start to try to become the perfect member instead of trying to become like Christ, Mm -hmm. which is the whole purpose of this life, to try to become more like Christ every single day, not to become this the idea of a perfect member in our mind, you know? Yeah, and that so lends itself to self-oriented perfectionism and other-oriented perfectionism. And talk about socially prescribed perfectionism. Right. We so often talk about socially prescribed in the lens of social media, but in the church, that's a whole other angle to it, where this culture and society of a religion is dictating whether or not you are worthy or valuable as a human being. And it's just dangerous. It's Mm -hmm. just a dangerous place to be. Something that we're going to get into a little bit later as well is how perfectionism in the church skews our view of God and his character. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, God ultimately is our judge. And he's, thank goodness, by the way, the most merciful, loving person to be our judge. So we shouldn't be judging ourselves and we shouldn't be judging other people because we can leave that up to God. It's not our place to judge what needs they were trying to fill or what underlying intentions there were that may have not represented themselves accurately. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, thank goodness. Right. I I am so, I am relieved that I have been commanded to not judge people. Right. What a tender mercy that we are not in charge of that. Yeah. And I think, I think often when we think of that, don't judge others, we think of other people like friends, family, strangers, but you can't forget yourself in that equation. Don't Mm -hmm. judge yourself. Um, that leads to the scripture that we're going to read. So if you could open up to Matthew, just kidding, like church, <laughs> I literally open their scriptures to Matthew 7 I just did that as a default. And I, I think it's also important to say, um, that obviously there is healthy judgment. Right. Of course. You don't have to surround yourself with a ton of people who maybe are making a lot of bad decisions and are going to lead you down a path of sin. Obviously have righteous judgment, but you cannot determine a person's worth off that judgment. Mm -hmm. Be selective, be exclusive with who you spend your time with and who you date and all of that. Mm -hmm. But don't, don't drag down other people's worth because of things that they may or may not do. Right. So in Matthew 7, 2, it says, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Love that. Love. And the verse before that says, judge not that ye be not judged. Mm-hmm. So again, if you're righteously judging other people, great, because that means you're at a healthy level of judgment for yourself because it is healthy to do self-evaluations and make sure that you are improving and progressing in all the ways that you should be, obviously. But if you are using judgment to tear down yourself or other people, that's when it starts to become wrong and unhealthy. Yeah, not cool. And God wants us to look at other people as he would try to look at them. And I love when it says... You know, how you judge others is how you are going to be judged. So be careful. Okay? <laughs> There's this other Bible app that I love reading from. It's not the King James Version. It's called the You Version. And this is, this is what it reads for Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. I'll kind of paraphrase. But it says this. 
Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, or criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly snare on your own. And then it continues. Um, Let's see. I'll skip to the end. It says, wipe that ugly snare off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Wow. Don't you love that? How Talk about empathy and connectionism, there right? There you go, yeah. Instead of seeing these moments as opportunities to criticize and to judge and to degrade, see them as opportunities for intimacy. And, and obviously when I say int- intimacy, I mean like emotional and relational right. intimacy. To, to see as an opportunity to, to connect with someone to enact connectionism rather than perfectionism. Yeah, take it as a moment to be Christ-like in that moment. Mm-hmm. Christ washed other people's feet. He didn't say, look how gross your feet are and look how clean mine are. Are you kidding? You know, he yes. never said that. He yes. said, let me wash them for you. Yeah. Isn't that so sweet? And he could do that because, first of all, his feet were clean too. But he didn't judge other people for that. And he helped and he served. And if you think about the people who followed Christ in the Bible, it was people that were broken. Mm -hmm. It was the lepers. It was the prostitutes. It was the people that were sick. Those were the people that were drawn to him. And we are all all beggars and we are all sinners in that Mm -hmm. way. So, and also be careful when you try to justify your judgment. Anna and I were planning this episode and she told me this analogy. Let me know if I get it wrong. But you're driving on the freeway, right? Something we do every day and you're going 75 or maybe you're even going 80. Okay. Scary. Scary. But you're speeding and the person next to you is going 85, you know? So then you're like, oh, well, I can speed because they're going faster than me. Or how dare they? How dare they be speeding? But you're the one speeding too. Like, but because they're speeding. going faster, it's like, ooh, they're bad, you know? Yeah. We're all speeding. It's like we give ourselves the permission to sin to a certain threshold. And that threshold is determined by how much other people are sinning. Yeah. It's like that at least mindset where, oh, at least... At least I'm not doing what so-and-so is doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Another part of perfectionism within the church is it assumes that doing your best looks the same every single day. And again, it goes back to that, that idea of what a perfect member looks like. And if you're a good member or a perfect member then you are going to read your scriptures for a half hour every day. You will pray every morning. On your knees, by the way. On your knees. (laughs) You're going to fast every fast Sunday. All of these outward facing accomplishments or or rituals or obligations Mm -hmm. check boxes and that's not attainable it's not healthy so with perfectionism the two dimensions of it are unrealistic expectations and self-criticism talk about unrealistic expectations right your best will never look the same every day and it's not fair to ourselves or to other people for us to compare every day's best yeah and i do want to say this too i i definitely have a testimony of reading your scriptures every day. I think that is achievable, but it might look different every day. Yes. One day it might be one verse and that's fine. Another day you might have time for a chapter or maybe then it's two verses or five verses, or maybe it's just a church song one day in the car, but it's, it's different every day, but it's the effort every day. I think we can expect that from ourselves. And once you do that consistently, that's when I've seen 
you know, spiritual change in myself, but it's different every day. But God just expects that we, you know, try our best. And it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. President Nelson actually said in the last conference, he said, the Lord loves effort, period. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because he did not say the Lord loves perfect effort. He just said the Lord loves effort. And I, I just love what you just said, Alicia, because that's so true. It's it's the effort that Christ and Heavenly Father care about, not the perfection, not doing it completely, totally right, exactly how you should. The fact that you're trying, that's mm -hmm. what they love and they appreciate and that they see. Yeah. Another analogy that I have found really powerful with this, and my mom actually is the one who told me this analogy, first of all. So Go Anna's mom. Shout out to Mama Tibbs. Um, <laughs> if you'll remember in the Bible, they talk about the loaves and the fishes, right? And and Christ had to feed this crowd at the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I, I can't even remember the story all the way. A little boy or someone had five loaves and three fishes. I don't remember the exact number. I don't even remember. I but, but I know the gist. You, we're going to say it's five loaves and three fishes. And when Christ needed to, f to feed that crowd, he took that kid's five loaves and three fishes and he made it enough. What that kid had to offer then became enough through Christ. And sometimes all you have is five loaves and three fishes, and that's all you can offer. And the tasks before you demand more than that. But because we have Christ on our side, we can do it. And perfectionism is going to tell you, not only do you need enough food for everyone in the room. For 5,000 people. 5,000 people. You're, you need you need gluten-free bread. You need the wheat bread. <laughs> I'm dying. You need, the, you need Jack's Killer bread. You need purified water. Purified water. You need vitamin water. You know, you need every single type of bread, every single type of drink, and you've got to please everyone in the crowd and do it all perfectly. And we're just sitting here with our five loaves and three fishes. Or a crumb and or a tiny little baby fish, like a sardine. <laughs> we're sitting here with our like crumbs and sardines, wondering how the heck we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're approaching that situation with a perfectionist mindset, you're going to immediately tear yourself down. You're going to immediately shame yourself. And the more dangerous part is you're going to continue to try to do it on your own. When Christ is sitting there open, ready, and willing to help you make what you have enough. Right. I think with self-oriented perfectionism, you think I have to do it by myself all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. I have to do it alone. And that's such a prideful way to think about it. Yeah. Because there's no way you can do it. And God wants us, he blesses us when we're humble and when we recognize the need for him mm -hmm. and the need for Christ in our life. We need him. So when you turn it over to him, he can use his magical Jesus hands to make it <laughs> as much as you need, you know? And yeah. sometimes that goes back to the how much you can do every day. Maybe it's five loaves, three fishes. Maybe it's a crumb and a little bit of leftovers or something. And I think this shows up in our daily life when sometimes all you can do is show up to church. That's all you can do. You yeah. don't want to contribute. You don't want to talk. You don't want to see anyone, but just be there or you just kneel to say a prayer you have no idea what you're going to say or you go to do ministering and you're not sure what this brother or sister needs but you just go mm -hmm. and you trust that God is going to guide you and he's going to you know not even I don't know how to say this but not even like meet you halfway but he helps you get there yeah you know what I'm saying he does literally everything yeah and he lets us join along for the ride Right? What a blessing that we get to join along. Isn't that so ride. great? Like, I want to be on his team. Yeah. I want to be on the team that can feed 5,000 people, 
that always wins and that has so much strength and power and it's so relieving that you aren't the one that has to do it all yeah that you have help just let him in you know mm-hmm. we just we you have to make that choice because perfectionism is going to convince you not only should you be able to do it on your own again don't shit on yourself yeah but that you can and then and you can't so if you believe that you can and then you don't you're gonna fall back into cr- self-criticism right totally i think with perfectionism it's important to remember that god god's plan was one that set us up to succeed he didn't set us up to fail And he didn't expect us to become perfect on our own because then there would be no need for a savior. There would be no need for Christ to sacrifice himself and for Mm -hmm. his atonement. There would be no need for that. But there is because we we can't do it without him. I'm sure you can, but I don't want to. Do you want to? No. No. Like, it's just... Obviously, no. (laughs) Yeah, I think... And God, that's why he, he gave his son which is the ultimate sacrifice because he loves us that much. Mm-hmm. And in this perfectionist culture, the whole be therefore perfect scripture or saying, I think Elder Holland has a talk about it where he talks. Probably. That man has yeah, a talk Yeah, that man has everything. a talk about everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that one's really, really good. He says, be here therefore perfect eventually. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. I can like almost hear him saying it. Be therefore perfect eventually. I don't <laughs> wow. Know why I said that. Oh my gosh, she's not that British. That wasn't me. <laughs> That was so funny. But I think in the church sometimes we try to eliminate. I think we we don't do this like consciously, but we try mm-hmm. to eliminate Christ from the plan mm-hmm. that is essential. Like he's essential to this he plan. He's central. Plan. He's yeah. the plan. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. He yeah. is the plan. So you can't eliminate him from that plan and be your own savior. You can't do that. And in this right and in this utah culture it's so easy to adopt that perfectionist mindset i have to do it on my own yep but you can't and it's it's impossible to do that so good luck trying we've tried doesn't work the fact that we do have both a savior and his atonement is evidence of itself that we can't be perfect on our own and yet in moments where we're not perfect we tend to just shut christ out of it and immediately condemn ourselves right self-criticism immediately Mm-hmm. And we just get back into that cycle. I think going off that too, really quick, we assume that other people are doing it on their own too. Yes. We assume yes. that, oh my gosh, the apostles even, they have it together. They're so amazing. How do they do this and this and this? Newsflash. Like they do it with Christ. Mm-hmm. Like hand in hand, him right by your side, they rely on him. No one does it on their own. And if they do, they're probably really struggling. I remember Rachel Hollis in, I can't remember if it was her book or her podcast, she said, you know, every successful woman or person, when they get interviewed, how do you, like, how do you do this? Oh, hard work, planning, um, hustling, hustling, waking up early, um, you know, whatever they say. And she said she's appalled every time someone says that because she has a nanny. She has someone cleaning her house. She has assistance. She has all Mm -hmm. of this help. Mm -hmm. So no one does it on their own. Nobody. No one sees. If they the do, they're the lying to you. Yes, yes. No one gets to see the behind the scenes where, when you look behind the scenes, everyone's getting help from everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And we really do just forget who the real hero is, which is Jesus. And again, with self-oriented perfectionism, it is so easy to adopt that prideful mindset where you are convinced you have to do it on your own. And if you don't do it on your own, there is shame in that and you can just knock yourself down. And 
so often we don't just put the glory on ourselves. We sometimes put that glory into church leaders too. An example of this is when, you know, fast and testimony meetings, someone gets up and they start bearing their heart and soul testimony about Joseph Smith or President Nelson or something. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Um, I'm grateful to all the prophets, what they've done. You know, Joseph Smith, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like amazing. But sometimes we forget the real hero behind them. Joseph Smith didn't restore the church. Jesus restored the church through Joseph Smith. So we need to remember who who's the real hero of everything. It's Christ. It's not any prophet. It's not any bishop. It's not you. It's not any friend. So place your testimony in the true hero of the story who deserves all of the credit and everything. I think we glorify prophets in our church. Yeah, we do have a tendency to do that. And again, respect the prophets, love the prophets. Of do course. That, but do not let the prophets take any of the spotlight away from Christ. They should be enhancing the spotlight around Christ for you. Yeah, and they feel that way, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. They yeah. bear testimony of Christ and they never say, they never bear testimony of their own church or their own, I'm so amazing. Mm -hmm. It's always a story mm -hmm. of humility and faith in Christ. Yeah, totally. There's a scripture I love that goes along with this. It's in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. And I'll, should I give backstory? I'll give some backstory. So Moses, right? When we think of Moses, what do we think of, Anna? Part of the Red Sea. Incredible. The snake thing. That Ten Commandments. D oh, all yeah, of these, like, yeah, no, that's great. Like all of these stellar, wow, oh my gosh, did all of these things. But let me tell you something. I hope all of you know this. Maybe you don't know this. Mm. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore. I hate words like that. It's heretofore. Heretofore. <laughs> neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? I love that. Moses, he couldn't speak. He like really struggled to speak. He had a slow tongue, maybe stumbled his words. I don't know. I didn't know Moses. Maybe we can ask him <laughs> one day. But he struggled speaking. How how was he going to be a prophet? Can you imagine being in that position? In the most influential position in Christ's gospel and you can't speak well? Right. But when we think of Moses, you're not like, oh, that loser who couldn't talk. Or, yeah. oh, that, like, you know, you yeah. never think of that. I feel bad I just said that. I'm so sorry, Moses. Ooh, our bad day. <laughs> no, we think, we think of a story of great faith. And um, Aaron was chosen as his spokesman. I think people forget that. He had help. He had help. But Christ gave him, he, gave, he created a way for him. And I think he uses people that are aware of their struggles. And sometimes they're glaring, like I struggle to speak. Mm -hmm. But someone, it might be, I'm really prideful or I struggle to have faith in God or I struggle, whatever. But I love that it was someone who had such an obvious struggle, but we don't even remember that. Yeah. Talk about having a crumb and a sardine. Right. right? And, then, yeah. and then God turning it into the, to one of the greatest stories of all time, the most influential people of all time. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so when we're considering all of this, I think a lot of what the whole perfectionist dynamic and culture of the church boils down to is we have let the mechanics or the rules, the checkboxes run the church rather than the meaning behind the mechanics, rules, checkboxes. Mm -hmm. And the meaning behind those 
is Christ and is us becoming more like Christ and is us sharing the light and the love of Christ with other people. I mean, if you think about it, growing up, how many lessons did you have in church that were solely focused on Christ with the rules and the laws supporting beliefs of him rather than the other way around? Probably not a lot. I didn't. Right. Like eliminate Easter, Christmas. Yeah. Besides those When do you remember really diving into Christ? And, and saying we want to become like Christ. We, we want to share a light of Christ and we will do it by dressing modestly or keeping the word of wisdom or keeping the Sabbath day holy. Rather than we're going to do a lesson on keeping the Sabbath day holy and we'll button it up by bearing testimony of Christ at the end. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? It's crazy. And and it's, again, no one intentionally was like, we're going to cut Christ out of the picture. No. But it kind of has happened that way. And then all of these rules that we are putting all this weight and focus on then create a perfectionist culture to go along with it that is so harmful mentally and emotionally for all of its members. Amen. Another way that we got to this place of judgment, of shame, of whatever we want to call it, is focusing on the don'ts in the church instead of the do's. Mm -hmm. Examples... Mm -hmm. Well, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink alcohol. I don't swear. I don't watch R-rated movies. I haven't had sex out of marriage. So I'm going to heaven, right? Because you've, you've checked off all the boxes. Because, yeah, like I I haven't done the, the, the don'ts, you know. I haven't done the things we aren't supposed to do, so mm -hmm. I'm okay. Those mm -hmm. things that we have lessons on that Anna was talking about, mm -hmm. the don'ts. When we don't really focus on the do's enough, I feel like. Yeah, and the magic of the, the do's in the church is... If you're keeping those, the desire to keep the don'ts as well will just accompany it. I think they naturally just follow. Yeah. If you're wanting to do everything you're supposed to do in the church and get closer to Christ, then your desire to drink coffee or swear or watch bad movies or whatever it is, is going to fade along with that. I think sometimes we focus on those don'ts way too much. But yeah. when the do's love God, man, is that so hard? Even just focus on that. Like one of the first commandments, love God. Yeah. Love other people yeah. like you love God. Pray every single day. Read your scriptures every single day. Serve other people. Have charity, Christ-like charity, patience. Those do's, those are so life-altering instead of the don'ts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not drinking coffee isn't going to turn you into a more Christ-like person. Oh, Alicia. I, I love when you Alicia. snap after I say something. <laughs> I just feel so validated. <laughs> well, you deserve the snap. Oh my gosh, say it again for the people in the back. If you don't, not drinking coffee, what did you say? Not drinking coffee isn't what makes you a Christ-like person for the people in the back. Thank it's you. loving God, loving other people, and trying to obtain those Christ-like attributes, and naturally those things follow. Or maybe yes. you gain greater understanding to them. Sometimes yes. I don't understand all of them. I really don't. But Who I does? just do it because I'm just trying to do my best. And yeah. do not judge someone. Please, do not. Yeah, because here's the thing. If you really want to set out to love God, by loving God, you then obviously love his church because mm -hmm. it's his church, right? And you will then gain a greater testimony of the rules or guidelines within that church. And it will naturally just work together. But if you place all of your value or worth or someone else's value on worth on whether or not they swear or what, or what kind of movies <laughs> they watch, yeah. you are missing the mark big time yeah i think then you don't really love god you don't understand god because yeah. god isn't that's not how god works yeah no and i think when we get to heaven it's not like okay angel pulls out i don't know what's gonna happen i'm just <laughs> going through my mind like the pretty gates or whatever people think about angel has this little clipboard anna 
Did you ever drink coffee? No. Did you ever swear? Yes, but I'm going to say Hey, have fun in hell. You know, like, (laughs) no, no, it does not work that way. So please remember, checking the boxes will not save you. Jesus is who saves us. Mm -hmm. He is our savior. Okay, please remember that. Yeah. And if you guys remember in the Bible, uh, just as we're wrapping this up, after God created everything, right? The, all the worlds and all the, and the everything. And the said, everything. And I love that. All of it. He, <laughs> said, he said the f- three words. He said, it is good. He did not say it is perfect. And so we need. <laughs> I'll snap you oh back. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> he, he said it's good. And, and we're so hyper-focused on being perfect and looking perfect and doing everything we need to do to convince everyone else that we're a perfect member and we're doing everything we're supposed to do and not doing anything we're not supposed to do, that we have forgotten to be good. Mm-hmm. We have forgotten what it means and looks like to be good, not perfect. Yeah. And to be Christ-like is to be good to others, to be kind to others to be empathetic towards others, to connect with others, not to do everything perfectly. That will Amen. come. Amen. That will come. I cannot say that better myself. Well. And with that, we're going to take it into our takeaways. Takeaways. Number one, Zion is not built on checkboxes, but rather on empathy, connection, Christ-like love. Number two, put your testimony in Christ not on the culture or the people who are striving to build his church. Number three, Christ's job is to judge, not us. And thank goodness for that. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) And lastly, if you've been hurt by this culture, we are sorry. (laughs) We just, again, we just apologize. It's it's not right. And one day everything will be made right, but that's not right. But for now, we see you. We hear you. We understand the hurt and the pain that this culture has caused, mostly because we've also been recipients and victims of that. And we're just sorry that we this, are is sorry. Ha- this is how where it's gotten to. We're sorry. For sure. And one more thing right before we wrap up, actually. If you have topics or questions about the church culture, about perfectionism that you want us to touch on, please send it to us. Send them in. We would love it. And keep, yeah. keep along with this series. We're so excited about it. We're so passionate about it. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into that episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Popping Perfectionism. We also have a TikTok and a Facebook. If you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a rating and also a review and feel free to share it on your social media pages as well. It would be much appreciated. I'm Anna. I'm Alicia. And, and this, this is Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.